Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Root. Welcome to the run home with Kimbo and the Roosh. Daniel Menzel in the chair on this Wednesday afternoon for Kim Dillon. It's thanks to Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona, imagined to be bold. Roosh, how's your Wednesday afternoon going? Daniel, it is a delight to see you here. Welcome aboard. Thank I, you. I don't know, have a count now of how many co-hosts I've had. <laughs> would it be in the 20s, 30s? I think I could field a footy team. Wow. But you would get prime position. Wow, that is plenty. Um, what, what role do you want in this football team of co-hosts? I'm happy to sit at full forward and let everyone else do the work do the up work. the ground and just finish it off. Gee, hopefully. You, you won't fit in this team. I don't do any work. <laughs> <laughs> we have a big show coming up, though. Coming up on the show, Barat Sunderason is going to join us around about 3.30. We're going to have a Sheffield Shield update with the Redbacks taking on WA. And we're going to chat to Young Gun from Glenelg, Bodie Ryan, about his potential draft hopes and mm. what might happen uh, next week in the draft and where he might head. But, uh, Rooch, let's start with uh, round one has been announced, or at least some of it's been announced. Well, round zero has been announced. Yeah. If, if you want to find a leaky boat at this time of the year, just go to AFL House because they leak data, information about their rounds. So we know we're going to start with what's called now round zero. What is your thoughts on round zero? Four games. I don't care what they call it. But I, I like the theme whereby we know the NRL is vacating yep. Sydney and Queensland to go to Las Vegas. I'm going to use the line again. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> NRL, Las Vegas. So, so, so that is the reason why the AFL has effectively launched into this. Prime opportunity. So it will be Thursday night, March 7. Sydney and Melbourne. Now that should be the tribute game to Ron Barassi to yes. start the year, shouldn't it? It Man definitely should. Melbourne Heritage. Save Sydney when they're in big trouble. Great way to then pay tribute to Ron Barassi. Friday night, Brisbane and Carlton. <laughs> Hello, Michael Voss. <laughs> Saturday. Mm. This Who is the interesting this? one. Gold Coast hosting Richmond. Now, what would be the script for that one, Dan? Oh, I'm not actually sure. Maybe Alex Rance has gone to the Gold Coast. That potentially could be the reason. Could be. Damien Welcome. Hardwick taking yes. on his old club Indeed. at home at Heritage Bank Stadium. So, And GWS be... complete the round against Collingwood. That's the preliminary final rematch. Strangely, the AFL today thought that's the first time they've ever opened a season with four games. And it has happened before. 1992. We were at Footy Park to watch Adelaide play Footscray while three other games were played that weekend. Wow. They quickly that... forget at AFL House. Now. That's round zero. Yes. You know, Adelaide and Port Adelaide aren't involved. They get involved in what will now be termed round one. <laughs> We've learned today that Port Adelaide will host West Coast. Love to get Port Adelaide fans' verdict on that one, hosting West Coast. You would think the way West Coast is in a, well... Oh, it's a nice start. It's a nice start for the power. Be, yep. Yeah, four points. hate saying it, but it should be four points in the bank. Yep. See what happens. Now, the other games, Carlton-Richmond, we know that, what was always billed as the traditional low, but Collingwood will host Sydney, Essendon will play Hawthorne, Geelong have got St Kilda, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, Fremantle and Brisbane. Ah, four teams not involved so far. So that sounds like that leaves the Gold Coast, yes. the, the GWS Giants, the Adelaide Crows and, and North, North Melbourne. Melbourne. So let's also work this through because we're going to work out who Adelaide is going to play. So Brisbane is out of town. There must be a game in Queensland. Gold Coast get to host again. 
Sydney is out of town. There must be a game in New South Wales. GWS get to host again. Now, Adelaide played GWS this year in the season opener. You wouldn't do it again, would you? Surely not. No. So do we keep joining the dots and conclude that Gold Coast will host Adelaide in the Crows' season opener? It appears that's what will happen, and that will leave the Giants to play North Melbourne. Now, those teams that you mentioned in round zero, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Carlton, Gold Coast, Richmond, and GWS and Collingwood, they will have buys between rounds two and six. So we could potentially see a buy as early as round two. For those teams. Well, considering you've got Which a whole heap the following of teams getting week. the buy in the round zero. Yep. So the question there to Port and Crows fans, do you like it? I mean, oh, it's a long year. It's How a- do you open up the season's always intriguing, but Port get West Coast. We imagine Gold Coast now going to host Adelaide. So let us know. We've got a $100 Archie's voucher to give away. Call us on 1-300-736-736 or flick us a text on 0427-154-166. And the theme is opening round, your best opening round story. Yes. I can imagine someone saying, I you know, got the fixture like we always do in mm-hmm. October, November. Cut it out, put it on the fridge. Picked out. Collingwood Carlton game at the, at the G. I wanted to go finally see this big tribal thing at the G, and my best mate decided to have his wedding that day. <laughs> Everything um, in ruin. Your you, best opening round story. We do. We want to hear your best opening round story for Archie songs so comfy you'll never take them off. Look, would so Port Adelaide. We mentioned West Coast. It should be four points. If you're a Crows fan, are you happy with playing the Gold Coast in your opening game next season? I would have thought Adelaide. Considering what we've heard all through since the famous moment against Sydney and the goal that wasn't recorded when it was scored by Ben Keyes, talk about rewarding Adelaide with, I'm amused by this rewarding Adelaide. I mean, they deserve to be rewarded for the way in which they were playing their footy. They have a good entertaining style of footy. I would have thought the fact that they were on the road last year, not that there's any rotation policy about who opens at Adelaide Oval. But I would have thought Adelaide at home against a big team for the opening round would have been a dead set certainly of the fixture. It, it isn't. It isn't. It which isn't. Is, which is disappointing for Crows fans. We've got a caller, Stu from Harndorf. Uh, what, uh, what's your thoughts on the round zero and the opening round of fixtures? Stu, are you there? I am, mate. How are you? We're, Hello, Stu. We're going well, thanks, Stu. What, what's your thoughts on the opening round? Well, I, I, I'm going to put it... I, I thought... I was under the impression that the Crows and the Power rotated who had no, the first... No, no, it doesn't happen. Uh, no, no, ...home game. No, it doesn't happen, Stu. doesn't happen? Okay. No. Would have been nice for... Uh, all we're hearing is that uh, AFL House might do Adelaide a couple of favours in terms of... Uh, uh, not so much to make amends, but as a gesture of goodwill. For, <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it, Stu. Did something happen last year, it? late last year, did it? Yeah, good way of putting it, Stu. Yeah, I, 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 heard a, I heard a rumor. I don't know. Can you confirm? <laughs> <laughs> mm. You might be. I, um, I would have thought we would have got the game. I would have thought the Crows would have opened the season yep. at Adelaide Oval yep. after all that happened last year. If that and plus the way they play their footy, it just yeah. Well, clearly now, well, there's no guarantee they even get to finish the season at Adelaide Oval because that's not on rotation either. But I'll be intrigued now. The I've thought got is, a good round one. Stu, you're breaking up a bit there. Yes. What have you got? Uh, we've lost you. We've lost you, have we? I've got 
No, no, I've got, I'm here, boys. I've got a good round one story for you as well. Good. I, Give it um, to us. I won't, I, won't, I won't say how, won't divulge my uh, sources, but I was lucky enough to see the round one game at Adelaide Oval in COVID time when everyone was shut out. And I think it might have been um, Rory Sloan's first game as, as captain, yep. if, if memory serves correct. Yep, yes. And, um, yeah, against Sydney. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the chocolates and it probably set the tone for the season. But, um, yeah, I was very, very lucky to, to be there in the flesh and you could hear a pin drop, boys, and I was under mm. strict instruction, no barracking. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good one, Stu. Uh, look, it, it's, you mentioned that. You mentioned Rory Sloan's game. Crows, Gold Coast, round one. Will that be the fixture, I think, with process elimination? Rooch, I think we might be on to that. It's time for a break. We're live from Studio Lumo SA. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roof. Daniel Menzel in the chair for Kim Dillon with the Rooch here. It's time for Around the Grounds, brought to us by IGA Supermarkets, how the locals like it. And a couple of cricket games going on at the moment, Rooch, that so we will bring the scores to the Redbacks playing WA over at the Wacker. They put us in first to bat. And currently? Two for 56 we are Ooh. after 29 overs. So Carter's 24 not out. Mick Sweeney, who's been in scintillating form, is 12 not out. Unfortunately, mm. Henry Hunt went for five. And your man, or our man, actually, here at SEN, Daniel Drew, out for five as well. Oh, no, I'm going to cop it for that now, aren't I? Yeah, I mean, he has had a few lean games, but hopefully he can bounce back pretty quickly. The other cricket game going on at the moment, just down the road, actually, at Karen Rolton Oval, the WBBL, the Strikers taking on the Thunder. The Strikers won the toss. They elected to bowl first, and we had the Thunder at two for 22 after 4.1 overs. So a nice start. Two of the better teams in the competition, a nice start for the Strikers. Okay, so the cricket update is there. There's always a fair bit going on in footy, even when they're not playing. Adelaide has completed its coaching panel for next year. Now, we know that uh, James Raleigh, who yes. was assistant coach of the year, has returned to Geelong, which left the forwards coach vacant at Adelaide. Now, we know that Adelaide did speak to Stuart Jew, the ex-Gold Coast mm-hmm. coach. He declined. They yes. spoke to Ben Rutten. He declined. So they're promoting from within, like we saw at Port Adelaide, where Tyson Goldsack rises from the SANFL development unit to take over Nathan Bassett's role as defence coach. Yep. So, Bruce, just on that, why have these two guys declined? Any idea? I'd like to ask them, but yep. it does lead to me that question I've been asking for some time. Is it more difficult for Adelaide, Port Adelaide, West Coast and Fremantle to lure assistant coaches yep. into our towns when there is that bigger show in Melbourne? Particularly if they have been former head coaches, they're going to get a job somewhere. So I agree with that. I think it is much more difficult. You've got 10 teams in Melbourne. There's going to be a job somewhere for them. Exactly. So Jack Homsch, who is a a fair bit of experience as a player around the competition has. And as a defender as well, will be the defensive coach at Adelaide, replacing Scott Burns, who now moves into the forwards coach role. Okay. So we'll have Scott Burns, forward coach. Nathan Van Berlo continues in the midfield. Jack Homsch in defence. So it's a nice step for Jack. It is a great step for Jack. It's a good promotion. He, he's done a bit of work with the sample team, obviously, over the last couple of seasons. So Here's the next big question. Yes. We, we know 
We know from everything that the Adelaide Football Club says of Matthew Nix that they are convinced he is the man for that job. They love the way in which he has... The culture word's always an interesting one in football, but he has rebuilt what that clubhouse feels. It's yep. got a good feel about it. You can tell that this is a team that is playing to his plan. They are. It is not a team where we hear anymore about what was termed the exodus of Crows players around the competition. He is out of contract next year. Now, we saw what happened with Ken Inkley. The yep. court say, oh, we'll put this in the yes. in the drawer until August. Didn't, didn't stop yep. the discussion all through the year. I would anticipate if Adelaide is sitting there as a board knowing that Matthew Nix is the man for the job and they don't want the distraction through the season, surely between Christmas and February they announce his contract extension. They have to. You'd take that for granted, wouldn't you? Without it's a, got to happen. Without sure. a doubt, if they progress forward from where they were this year, if they play finals next year, it mm. is an absolute no-brainer because take the pressure off, take the speculation away from it. I mean, you're right. It was, Ken Hinckley was spoken about every single day throughout the whole 2023 AFL season. Yeah. So, so the best way to dismiss that, keep the focus on what the team has to do. If you are convinced, as Adelaide is, that Matthew Nix is the man for the job, yep. lock him in. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think they've got to make that decision and, and go from there. That's brought to us by Brasilia Coffee. Stay grounded. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Uh, stay around after the break. We'll have a look at the Redbacks and a couple of other things that's happened in today's Dave Sport. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Root. Daniel Menzel in the chair for Kimbo today. We, and Rooch, we mentioned off the top of the show that we've got a $100 Archie's voucher to give away. Give us a call on 1300 736 736 or flick us a text on 0427 154 166. What do we want to hear from a caller or a text in, Rooch? Your best opening round story. So we all have this great anticipation for how a new season will begin. The clubs give us new hope. You've gone through the summer. Eager to see a game or your team or some moment in the opening round. Tell us your story. Yeah. We've had Stu make this known that he found a way into Adelaide Oval when Nicholas Spurrier would have not been pleased no. with him about getting in there when it was a zero attendance game. Adelaide and Sydney is that season opener. Now, we know we'll have round zero, as they're calling it, with four games north of the Murray, Gold Coast, Sydney, Brisbane, and GWS with their games while the NRL in Vegas. So that means round one effectively becomes our opening round. Port Adelaide will be playing West Coast at Adelaide Oval. And we've concluded that if you look at the way it's all panning out, it should be Gold Coast hosting Adelaide in the opening round of season 2024, isn't it? 20, yes, 2024, which will be the Gold Coast's second game they yes. play. It'll be Adelaide's first game. So... I'm not sure. It's an interesting preparation. Crows first up, Gold Coast take on Richmond. There'll be a lot of emotion around that game. Uh, but uh, look, Rich, would you rather play a team that's made the top four the previous season or would you rather maybe have a free hit, a little bit like the power one might have against West Coast? You've got a theory on this, haven't you? I do. I, I would prefer to play against a team that made the top four because having been in that position before, you come back later in preseason. 
you're not quite as fit until closer to the season. You're still gaining that fitness, whereas I feel like you're, you're sort of fit and firing and ready to go by February, March if you haven't made the final. So I think you can catch a team off guard early on in the piece yeah. if they have been successful the year before. So I'd love to play against a Collingwood or a GWS or, or a Brisbane in round one. Right. At 17, you filled out your draft form, didn't you? Yes. What was a draft form worth then once you got drafted to your Sanford club? It was about 10000 then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was. you get a fee and then it yep. filtered down. Yep. Imagine if you went for more than a million. Oh. What about Nestor Irukunda? So that's confirmed now. That is we, confirmed. We learned from Carl Viet during our interview earlier in the week. It's a good get. He's on his way at the end of the A-League season. He'll be 18 then. He'll join Bayern Munich, a big European club, and... He is going to be worth more in a transfer fee, so to speak, than the Craig Goodwin deal for Adelaide United, yep. more than a million. At times it's been mentioned it was three million. We'll see how it plays out. But what a story that one is. A young lad who has now the world at his feet, literally. Yeah, he really does. And it, it's a great story. So Nestor Aaron Kunda. So for those wondering, he will be with and will remain with Adelaide United for the remainder of the A-League season. So I'm certainly in this boat, and I think if plenty of other people will be. You want to get along to watch Adelaide United this year to mm. be able to see him before he's off over in Germany at the Giants Bayern Munich uh, because I don't know if we'll see him back in the A-League. And that's brought to us by IGA Supermarkets, how the locals like it. Um, don't forget, you can catch Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh Tuesday to Thursday from 6am. Are you going to get along to our Lady United game at all this year, Roach? I hope so. Very much now that we're uh, going to see a world star emerging. World class. Uh, and not just that, the team is playing some incredible... It's an incredible display at the moment. 6-0, 3-0 wins. They lost 5-1 last we'll game. That one. We'll, we'll let that one ride. We'll That's let the that aberration. one... We'll let that one slip. But they're a great team to watch at the moment. So get along to watch Adelaide United... Coming up after the break, we are going to go to India. We're going to chat with Bharat Sandarasan about the storm and the semi-finals. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Root. Welcome back to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Rooch. We're live from Studio Lumo SA. Daniel Menzel in the chair here for Kimbo Dylan tonight. And our next guest is brought to us by IGA Supermarkets, supporting women in sport. And we go all the way to India. We have Bharat Sundaration on the ground. Uh, Bharat, welcome to the show. We better start with the weather report. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, everybody's looking up looking around and uh, trying to get as much information as they can about this uh, cyclone that is headed uh, our way here in the eastern part of India. Um, uh, and look, it is cyclone season, uh, and uh, you generally have uh, uh, the Bay of Bengal gets a little raunchy at this time of the year, Ooh. and then uh, that's where everything starts from. <laughs> but it's generally, generally the state of Odisha, which is next door to West Bengal, where we are, which takes a, a proper pummeling from the cyclone, but you do get a lot of uh, rain here in, in Calcutta. But just looking out through my window right now, it's bright, it's sunny. It is very uh, Kolkata at this time of the year kind of weather. But yeah, I mean, it's supposed to turn um, tomorrow, uh, but we still don't know. I mean, it depends on who you speak to. I mean, some people believe there's going to be a lot of rain. Other people are like, ah, it'll be a bit of rain here and there, but we should 
definitely get a complete match at some point. Which one will be complete though, Barat? Which of the semi-finals is less at risk? Oh, I think the Mumbai one is definitely at uh, less risk, considering where it is. It's on the western seaboard, don't forget. Uh, unlike where we are right now in Calcutta for the Australia-South Africa semi. So, if uh, look, I mean, there's a lot of drama happening with pitches in Wankhede, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But in terms of the weather, I think uh, the, the semi-final later today should go through seamlessly in terms of mm. not being impacted by weather. You'd think so. Anyway, there are reserve days, but... It's this one, the Australia-South Africa one, which a lot of people fear um, could, uh, you know, our weather could play a big role in uh, how it goes. But again, like I said, looking out of my window here in uh, Calcutta, I'm not too far from the Eden Gardens. It doesn't look uh, at all like we have anything coming our way. But like I said, the Bay of Bengal, um, yep, she has uh, her own moods this time of the year. Are the Indians nervous? It's that moment, Barat. This is it. It's either you do it now, all the wins you've had in the qualifying series do not matter. Uh, And you can already see it. I mean, uh, reports of, uh, you know, pitches being switched and Mm. like the pitch pitch that uh, was supposed to be used, which is supposed to be a fresh one, has been switched back to now they're using a used pitch and the grass has been shaved off. So you can already see that um, of, of all the teams that have qualified for the semifinals, the one team that did push India to an extent was New Zealand. And Australia, well, who knows if that Virat Kohli catch would have been taken. But just with the bat, I mean, just 199 on the board. And South Africa was just blown away. So New Zealand are one team that tested India in the league game uh, in Dharamsala. So clearly, you know, they are playing on their minds. Not to yeah. forget uh, history as well, uh, having lost to them in the semi-final four years ago. So just remind me, is this the ICC World Cup or the BCCI <laughs> World Cup? So... Why would a pitch be determined by the host nation rather than the ICC? Well, I mean, I could start for India as well in ICC now, couldn't it? Uh, so, ah, you know, it just... Very good. <laughs> International replaced by India. Very good, Bharat. But, no, but seriously, where else in the world would you have a competition where the yeah. International Federation Council League, whatever you want to call yeah. it, does not have a say... Yeah in determining how its own tournament is run, but leaves it to the host nation, which then can pick a pitch to suit its team. It doesn't add up to me. Yeah, well, it but then again, yes, India's I mean, allowed then... to wear sponsored uniforms while no one else is. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> look, um, that's not even like, uh, you know, it's not even, doesn't even feel like news now, doesn't it? Like, you know, it's, or does it? Like, you know, it's been the case it's for wrong. a while now where it's India wrong. have all the shots and like, uh, it's it's look uh, this. I mean, we can spend a whole day chatting about how we got to this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, it's, ever since the power shifted to India 15, 20 years ago, it's uh, it's just gone one way. It's been one way traffic in that sense. Oh, well, I look forward uh, and, more on yeah, the spirit I mean, of cricket then. Oh yeah, I mean, the spirit left uh, us a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, don't you worry about that. <laughs> so, Barat, I mean, the soul of cricket is still intact. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on India hosting New Zealand tonight, 7 p.m. Adelaide time, that game in Mumbai, just want to ask you about that and the pitch. And again, Rich has talked about whether they'll change it or not. The four matches so far that have been played in this stadium, the team that has mm. batted first, these have been the statistics. Seven yeah. for 84, six for 81. Yeah. Six, uh, eight for 29 and seven for 91. So is this part of the reason why there might be a changing in the pitch? Because India doesn't necessarily want to lose the toss, bat second, and mm. the World Cup is gone. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think that has a lot to do with it. But having said that, whatever you do with the pitch, it's the swing in the air that has mm-hmm. really got uh, teams in trouble um, uh, batting second. Uh, and if it wasn't, if it hadn't been for uh, Maxwell doing Maxwell the other night, the one kid, mm-hmm. uh, that would have been 4-0 in yep. terms of teams batting first, winning the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the ball's done so much. And, uh, you know, New Zealand, uh, it look, think back to Manchester four years ago. That's what happened. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean the India weren't in control of things to the extent they are now, you can say. But, uh, you know, India, uh, New Zealand batted first. Uh, they scratched around May 240. And the next morning, again, uh, it, we went into the reserve day. It was a cloudy morning. And all of a sudden, the ball was stalking. And uh, Trent Bolt and Saudi uh, just blew that top order away. And, and Matt Henry as well. So, I think it's pretty much the same bowling attack four years on. Uh, I think that is a fear in, in the back of the Indian minds because that's the only way you can see this team losing, right? Like, they're so strong. Otherwise, with bat, with ball. But if they get caught, um, you know, batting against Bolt under light in one hit, yep. and if the, there's any bounce of the pitch, that's that's where they fear that the game could go against them. You know, Barat, your words will resonate around the world. So this question is asked with a fair bit of you know, respect for this. <laughs> is this the best ever or best in form mm. Indian bowling lineup ever taken to a World Cup? Oh, by far. I mean, I don't think we can even, like, I can't think of a bowling attack which even comes close. And I'm not rubbishing the bowling attacks of the past. I mean, look, India won the 1983 World Cup famously because of their bowling attacks, right? They just put 183 on the board. And uh, a couple of and co defended it. But, I mean, you just look up. uh, And it's like, and that's the irony with this whole pitch drama that's playing out before the semi-final. The Indian bowlers have taken the pitch out of the equation. Like, in conditions where... A lot of other fast bowlers have struggled to get them all moving and going, doing stuff. Uh, they've been they've been dominating teams, right? I mean, look mm. at their numbers. Like Shami is taking wickets at less than ten, uh, Bumrah is taking wickets at less than fifteen, and Siraj is right up there as well. And then you have Kuldeep Yadav and uh, Ravindra Jadeja, um, and you have Arashwin on the bench. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. So, um, no, I think uh, generally, if India do well in a World Cup. It's uh, their batters who kind of get all the glory. Have uh, you seen that uh, historically? But here, it's just, I mean, Mitchell Stark said India has set the benchmark with the ball, especially the fast bowlers. Uh, and it is by far the strongest and most intimidating bowling attack India have ever had in white ball cricket, not just in World Cup cricket. Okay, Barad, let's deal with the semi-final that interests us most. Let's try this South Africa. Is the man who torments, challenges, and strikes fear in the Australian selectors what are they going to do with the lineup for this semi-final? <laughs> what have yeah, you, look, have you got into their heads yet? <laughs> look, all I'll say is uh, I saw Manas Labushain putting on his wicket-keeping gloves yesterday <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> once again after after he was done with his uh, batting net and he was trying his level best to get into a net and like get some wicket-keeping practice done. So that should tell you everything you need to know that uh, Manas clearly feels like Oh, his place could be under threat uh, with Glenn Maxwell returning yeah. to the side. Uh, uh, and finally, touch wood, we still have 24 hours to go. Australia might have 15 fit men to select from. That itself mm. is a big deal for them. Uh, and which should mean that, like, I just... I mean, look, Manas has made runs. He's made 250s. He's been uh, played some crucial innings. But um, just the way this Australian team seems to think about one-day cricket, I think they prefer having a Marcus Stoinis at number seven, yep. uh, especially against the batting lineup, uh, which could potentially, like if they bat first, South Africa could make a big total. 
and then put pressure on australia so who do you want then that that makes i mean it's a it's a dealer's choice really i mean you both uh, have pros and cons but i just got a feeling yesterday watching training that it could well be Stoinis who uh, keeps his place and Marnus misses out. Okay. So, Brad, you mentioned if South Africa bat first, they could make a decent total. They've racked up four totals greater than 350 in this tournament batting mm. first. So, by the sounds of it, both semifinals, the team that wins a toss will probably want to bat first, get runs on the board, and then back themselves under lights to be able to cause some trouble to the opposition. Oh, and the way South Africa have struggled in their run chases, even the, the last one against Afghanistan, they uh, stuttered and stumbled and just got over the line eventually uh, with, what, two overs to spare. Uh, and, and, you know, and we saw what they, how they collapsed against India. They've just not, and, and not to forget the game against the Netherlands. So they've just looked a different team while batting second. Uh, but having said like all that about the runs on the board that they made and all that, the pitch in, in at the Eden Gardens as well, I was just... Like I always do, stalking what the players were doing around the pitch. And Steve Smith seemed to have a little chat with uh, one of the ground staff. Uh, and with Steve Smith, it's easy to pick out what he's saying as well, because like me, he uses hands and facial expressions to communicate. <laughs> so uh, it looked like the ground staff seemed to be saying that oh, it'll be a 300 plus pitch. Steve Smith wasn't so convinced. And then I saw uh, a bit later on in the evening, Kagiso Rabada and uh, Tabresh Shamsi. Walk, uh, in, walk down to the middle of the pitch, our middle of the ground, and Rabada seemed to be indicating to Shamsi that he's going to get a lot of turns. So does that mean South Africa will play two spinners? And does that mean we're going to get a slow turner for this semi-final? I mean, a lot remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, it could well not be as straightforward as whoever bats first gets 350 and then puts pressure on the opposition. It could well be a 280 play, 270 kind of game as well. And then with that cyclone, remind me, with the duck, Worth, Lewis, and the third man who's now involved in that formula for rain-affected games. How does that, how does that theory work? Is it better to bat first or chase when you get an over-changed game by rain? What's the formula do on that one? If, oh, it, it gets tricky because of the reserve day. I mean, if it was just if there are no reserve days, it, your teams generally prefer chasing because it's good to know what your equation is. Yeah, uh, but I mean, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a reserve day scenario where um, depending on when the rain comes, the game yeah. could just be continued on from like what mm. we saw in Manchester, like I said, in the last semi-final where there was a clean break, right? The first innings finished on day one yep. and the second innings started on day two. If it's that case, then, um, you know, conditions could be different and you don't want to be caught short like India were. So I, I, it's it's a tricky toss. I think you just back yourself and say I'm going to bat first, put the runs, uh, on. make put runs on the board, and then like you know let's hope for the best uh, rather than focus too much on the weather. And I think that's what Pat Cummins will and uh, Bauma will look to do. Mm. And who's England playing? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, uh, well, the World Cup that uh, some of them claim uh, is void. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's right. like it's uh, you. It's rare, rare that you feel for England, but you did feel for George <laughs> Butler and, and for Matthew Mott as well. I mean, he's mm. tasted so much success in his career, coaching career in the last six, seven years with the Australian women's team, of course, and even winning the T20 World Cup last year with England. But yeah, I mean, he's come under a lot of flack and under a lot of pressure. But yeah, what a what a terrible tournament for them. At least, well, they managed to win a couple of games in the end. And, and a couple of moral victories so. as well. That always helps. Always, always around moral Sorry. victories with that England. It certainly does. India hosting New Zealand tonight and South Africa hosting Australia tomorrow night. Barat, all the best navigating the storm over there and hopefully we see some cricket. 
Oh, uh, really hope so. I mean, like I said, if the weather stays the way it is right now, we should be fine. And uh, my uh, hair wash this morning will not come to naught. So that's there you go. So I think we're on track. <laughs> there you go. Does but... it get fuzzy when it gets humid or wet? Uh, it gets it, it gets really humid here in uh, Calcutta. I mean, you're, you're talking a very no, tropical I'm worried part about of your uh, hair. I'm not worried about the weather. What's the <laughs> oh, weather do to your hair? Does, it does. Yeah. I mean, it, it, humidity doesn't do much to it. Like, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's better better. I'm better off in the Adelaide Hills without the humidity. Is all right. out there. <laughs> well, we welcome you home. We will you. see you back soon. Thank you, Barat. Uh, cheers, guys. Barat Sundarason there from India, just giving us an update on the two semifinals. Roach, the Sheffield Shield update shortly. Mm. We'll be back soon with that. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roach. Daniel Menzel in the chair for Kimbo. He's got the day off today, and that's thanks to IGA Supermarkets, how the locals like it. We mentioned the Redback score, and we will go there to Barvi Devshan in about 10 minutes and have a chat with her, but it's two for 58, Roach, after 32 overs there. So the Redbacks, a couple of wickets, early wickets, but got a nice little partnership now. But I just want to get on to the story which we talk about at the start of the show. We've got a $100 Archie's voucher to give away. Give us a call on 1300 736 736 or flick us a text on 0427 154 166. Now, we had Stu on and he talked about getting into the ground and um, potentially doing it a little bit illegally. Mine wasn't illegally, but I've got a similar sort of story for you, Roach. So 2011, my second season at Geelong, I played three games at this stage. I hadn't played at the MCG yet. So round one, we took on St. Kilda. And I remember driving to the ground. I had a mate with me, and I'd never actually been in the underground car park at the MCG. So we drove. We missed the turn off, and mm. and I was panicking, thinking I've got to be there in ten minutes. I'm going to miss the team meeting. Um, the anxiety levels were through the roof. So we parked in the outside car park, and I remember just walking through the crowd and walking through the traffic, and people were saying, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Do you know where the change rooms are?" So it was a nervous moment for me early days. I'm sure I'm not the only player that's happened to before, but yeah, parked outside the stadium in a game that I was actually playing in. Result of the game? Uh, we won by points against Ooh. the Saints. So Your contribution? Uh, minimal. I'd say oh. minimal in that game. But uh, look, it, it was 2011. So St Kilda were at the peak of their powers. Uh, they boss had, was the boss was still there. Yeah, they just lost that uh, replay grand final to Collingwood the year before. <sighs> after losing the year before to Geelong in the 2009 grand final. So we did have the wood over them at that stage. Okay. So if you've got a great opening round story, this is all on the back of bits of the opening round already being uh, divulged and we'll get, we're expecting the full fixture tomorrow. So we know Port are playing West Coast at Adelaide Oval, a Saturday game. And we're concluding by just doing a process of elimination of what's left to come from it, that Gold Coast will host Adelaide on the Gold Coast in what will be round one, even though we already will have a round zero, with four (laughs) games being played the weekend before. Also intrigued how Crows fans feel about being on the road first up and getting Gold Coast first up. Well, it's it's a free hit for Damien Harbour. They've got two games at home to start. They take on Richmond at home, and then it will be effectively the Crows, if that's the way it goes, in round one. So mm. it's a nice start for the Gold Coast Suns in that game. The other one we wanted to talk about, and I wanted to ask your opinion on it, Rooch, is Thursday night footy. So the opening 14 rounds of the season, we will see Thursday night footy, which I think... 
AFL fans love? So it's gone from when Adelaide put it on the agenda that it needed to be a match played in the warmer parts of the footy season, so yes. early on or late, preferably when school holidays were around or linked into a long weekend, to now being, oh, we want to do this every week. Now, I wasn't quite shocked as some others that all of a sudden, late July, August, it stopped. Because guess what's happening in late July, August next year? What What is on in late There's July and August? some enormous sporting event in Paris known as the Olympics. <laughs> I don't think... The AFL wants to be going always head-to-head with big international events, do they? No, I agree. I think I understand that it's not a seven product anymore, so it's yes. not the issue about how you then put it on the seven signal. But I would dare say that there will be some people saying, well, there will be some big international moments that probably people are going to say, I'll stay at home. But I won't be watching the footy. I'll be watching the Olympics. It makes a bit more sense because a lot of people have said, why is there not Thursday night footy for 23 rounds? It you has, like it? I do. I think it's a resounding success. So it starts the weekend earlier. I think that, um, look, everyone gets caught up in their own sport, their own teams they play. I prefer games to be as spread as possible so okay. you can see as much footy as possible. It gives you that option to watch Thursday night. For mine, it's better than just fixturing it with another couple of games on a Saturday afternoon. So I do like Thursday night footy. Would you go as as far as to say, let's have the AFL do Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday. Let's vacate Saturday afternoon and leave it to community footy. I have absolutely no issue with that. I think it's I think it's great because it does. It gives um, your local supporters great opportunity to get to games, but also mm. to watch games live. Rather and be than, involved with a community club And be club involved well, yeah. with a community car- club. Um and I think, look, I think the sample, we'll see what happens there, but that will pave a way for them to really have Saturday afternoon and nail that time slot going forward, as well as local footy. I, I do like that idea. I don't see the AFL doing that, though. Is it all about airtime and they want to try and get as many slots as possible? Yeah, well, you know, if the broadcasters come to them and say, no, we're not giving yes, up on correct. Saturday afternoon, they're not going to roll over on that one. But I think they've got to look at the bigger picture of what the game is in total, not just their league. And if they're going to bring in, as we expect, a national reserves competition, It'll be harder then for the Waffle, the Sample, the VFL, and any other state-based competition. So let's give them some free space. Yep. Saturday yep. afternoons. I haven't spoken to you about this, and it's probably a longer than a minute discussion, but are you for the National Reserves competition? Yeah, the time's come. Look, it has. We, we can't keep mucking up the Sample where we've got Crows and Port needing a certain agenda field that the Sample can't deliver. And you've got the Sample needing to be true to its eight traditional clubs. Yes. They can't, they can't serve each other's needs anymore. I, I call it the no-blame divorce. Yep. No one's to blame here. It's just you've got two <laughs> AFL clubs that have a specific need, particularly with recruiting. Yes. That they need to be able to recruit to develop. And the Sample needs to be able to have a true competition where we've talked about integrity and maintaining a valid competition. You can't do that with AFL reserves teams in there. No. So let's make the clean break. Yep. But also have a sense of responsibility that, if you don't have a good sandfall and you don't have good community clubs, you're going to get troubled at AFL level. So let's work hand in hand. Go our separate ways, but work in a way in which you've got a national code of football. Yes. Everyone's helping each other out here to get the best possible end for the sandfall, the waffle, and the AFL. I think sandfall supporters, traditional sandfall supporters, will be all for it. Adelaide and Port out of the competition. Oh, they've, well, they've been declaring it for so long. They just hate the thought of you know true professionals against semi-professionals. It just seems to have an uneven playing field. Even though none of those teams has won the flag yet. Well, but do you ever see the Crows or Port 
while they're running reserves teams, having a major objective winning the Sanford Premiership. It's a development pathway it is. for them. So that's, that's in the myth. They're always going to make decisions based on what is best for their AFL team, not they their Sanford teams. So it, that already tells you that it, time's come. It, it has. Away. It definitely has. It's an interesting discussion. We're live from Studio Lumo SA. It's time for the news. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Dan Menzel and The Roots here. Thanks to IGA Supermarkets supporting women in sport. And Roots, it's time to go to the Wacker and talk Redbacks. We're going to... Have a chat with Barbie Dev Chain. Thanks for joining us here. And what's the update so far just after the first session? Hey, guys. Yeah, it's been a bit of a grind for the South Australians. So South Australia's batting first. They were sent in on a very green wicket. So it's Ooh. very different to what we've normally seen okay. here at the Wacker. So it's very green. It's a little bit soft. And the ball's been doing all sorts. So... Jake Carter and Nathan McSweeney have been outstanding. Um, Jake Carter's 25 not out at the moment off 91 balls. And Nathan McSweeney, after scoring a big 100 last week, is 15 not out off 83. So a couple of early wickets with Hunt and Drew going early, but so far so good for the South Australians. So that makes sense as to why the run rate is less than two and over. Does that mean that effectively 300 on this pitch might be a really good start for the Redbacks? It'll be a really good start, but... What is difficult is that it's expected that the pitch will flatten out and harden out. Uh, so they do actually need to get a minimum of 300. Yep. It, it's a huge toss to win for the Western Australians in that it is expected day two, three and four is going to be pretty flat. Um, in saying that, we've seen a couple in the first field match out here, day four, because it's a bit softer on day one, what happens is you get these little indentations in the pitch and then the ball starts to do a bit again. Um, so if, yeah, South Australia can get in and around that 300 mark, I think they'll be pretty happy, and then that sets it up to have a crack on day four. Well, that is an extraordinary change to what we've always expected from wacker pitches, isn't it? Yeah. Where we know they'd be they'd be dry, and the fast bowlers would be tormenting you around the ears. So, who of the West Australian bowlers is making the most of the conditions? Well, Joel Paris is outstanding, and he did take eleven wickets against South Australia That's a couple of weeks ago. So. <laughs> he's in form. He's yeah, taken one for 14 off his eight and generated a lot of really close chances up front. Um, Charlie Stobo going at 1.3 over. Aaron Hardy is probably the pick of the bunch. He only bowled four overs up front, but two maidens, one wicket for two runs. Um, that, that's pretty impressive. And, and what's been great for the West Australian spinner too, Corey mm. Ocaccioli, you see the wicket, you think it's made for all the fast bowlers, but he's come in and done a great job now, beating the outside edge of Jake Carter a lot, and uh, he's none for 11 or 5. Now, you'll have to fill us in here because we have a sense of ownership with Daniel Drew. He's been in here as a... Well, he's helped us out in the studio. Now, we've taken ownership of him, but we've brought him bad luck ever since he's joined us. What happened to him today? Today, he got a really good ball, actually. Aaron ah. Hardy, his first ball, um, full. he pitched it up, full out swinging, uh, went for a little drive and well, just played out in front of his body a touch and got caught by Cameron Bancroft at second slip. So he did. It was Aaron Hardy's first ball. It was a change changeover after facing, um, I think it was, yeah, Charlie Stoga up front. So, yeah, he did get a good nut. However, did play a little bit in front of his body and okay. nicked off for five. 
All right, we'll have a word when the money comes back. We certainly will, Barbie. Nathan McSweeney, is he the key wicket for the Redbacks? He's been in some yeah. scintillating form of late. Uh, 15 off 83 currently. How's he looking? Yeah, he's looking great. I think between him and Carter, Carter as a left-hander has been battling a lot, particularly with the spinner going away from him. So McSweeney, he's in form. He's averaging 56 in the shield this summer. Mm. Um, but it's it's a little bit different what's required of him today. So the, the challenge is he's striking at 18. Um, and he's grinding away. It's not as free-flowing as normal. So it is a challenge, but I think you guys are right. Certainly the key. Right. So we would expect a result then, wouldn't we? Yeah, I think so. It all depends yeah. on how much it plays out over day two and three. Mm. So, so that's the key. I think we'll know a lot more tomorrow. Um, at the moment for the South Australians, it's just about getting through. Yeah, well, they showed a lot of fight against Queensland. So let's hope that they continue that. I know it's not the story you want to hear in the West, but we'd love to have them with back-to-back wins after... Some very lean years recently for the Redbacks. Yeah, I think it'll be the first time South Australia have a back-to-back win since 2016. So that was a long time. That is a long time. time. Mm. Uh, Insightful, very insightful. Thanks for that, Barbie, for that update from the Wacker. No worries. Thanks, guys. What about Karen Rolton Oval? Yes. It's getting exciting there. Now, we've lost the score on the screen, but we've just had a wicket. Fall. So the Thunder are four for 98 now. That is 18 overs in, isn't it? That is 18 overs in at Karen Rolton, which is traditionally a pretty good batting wicket. So the strikers would be in prime position at the moment. Yeah. If, if you had have told them at the start of the innings, you could keep them under 120 in the 20 overs. I think they would absolutely jump at that. So mm. it's a nice start. We know the Thunder are one of the better teams in the competition. The strikers obviously looking to go back to back as well. So a good game there just down the road at Karen Rolton Oval. Now, when we come back, Daniel, I need your insight into a young man who's going to work his way onto the Crows sample list and be hot property when the bidding process begins once he signs his draft form in two years. What do you want two years for? Uh, two Tyler years. Welsh. Two uh, years yes. away. So he's he's still got uh, he's still got another year this year to play uh, before he even then looks at it the following season. So okay. yeah, it's he's, he's going to be one that's going to be bidded on. You mentioned it very highly. Yeah. So we will when we come back have a chat about Tyler Welsh and how that looks for the Crows in the future. Of coffee with Brasilia Coffee available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here, bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to the Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. Kim Dillon today, and we're brought to our IGA supermarkets. How the locals like it, uh, Roots. You mentioned before the break Tyler Welsh, so. The news has been broken that uh, the father-son prospect will play for the Crows Sandful side next year, moving from Woodville West Torrens for this will be his draft season. So he's got one more year, mm, okay. and then we'll see him in next season's draft in 12 months' time, which uh be so worth a few points too. So no different, although different, to when Lockie Jones was identified by Port Adelaide as yep. the next generation academy and then was taken out of the Eagles system to work in with Port Adelaide system. So now the Crows do that with Tyler Welsh. We've heard a lot about his junior work in the state team. Now, you know him very well. What does he bring to a football club and a football team? And just how eager will the bidding be once he becomes a father-son prospect, which we now know is no direct passage to a footy club. There is a bidding process. There is. I would expect he will be very keenly sought sought after and 
a fair bit of bidding going on for him once he gets into the draft pool. Yeah, no, it certainly will. He, what I'd say with Tyler is the talent is obvious. There is so much talent there. He's still very raw in terms of his development, probably in terms of his maturity as well. So I was shocked, I'll be honest, to see him come into the under-18 team this year in the state team. And in his first game against Vic Country, he kicked five goals as a mm. bottom major. Mm. Now, it's, that's hard to do as a top major, let alone being a bottom age player. So it just shows the sheer talent. He played some reserves footy for the Eagles this year as well. And you sort of, you see him, you watch him just standing around in the forward line thinking he's not really doing much here. And then the ball comes down and all of a sudden he's off and he, and he just finds the footy. He's got that nous for goal, which obviously his old man Scott did as well. So I think that teams will look at him and the Crows will certainly look at him and go, wow, the upside here is massive because there's so much development, not just in terms of his physical attributes, but I also think in terms of his maturity as well. He's still only 16, turning 17. Plenty of time on his side. Uh, I think the Crows are going to have to bid and it's going to cost them a lot to get him because other teams will, would love him. So if his name was Tyler Jones yes, and there was no father-son link and he just goes into the draft pool, we always talk about first rounders, second rounders and beyond. Yep. He fits in automatically as a first round pick. He looks that type of player. Without a doubt. He will be a first round pick. Uh, mm. There is, There's no doubt in my mind with that. The other reason I mention this as well is he comes in around about 190 centimetres. So he plays as that medium forward, but also can play, and they might look at him potentially in the future as a midfielder. But he's that crafty sort of player, your, your Robbie Gray type player that Ooh. can play in the forward line, can play in the That's midfield. Extraordinary note. Now, I think that his midfield craft will take time, and he's certainly not there at the moment. That'd see him as a forward, but yeah. I wouldn't rule that out. So I just think that, I mean, again, I'm throwing up Robbie Gray. I'll throw up Jordan Ngoi, the guys that could play in both positions. Mm. So... I think that that instantly puts him into the first round calculation. And if he can do what he did last year and grow on that this year, and particularly for their sample site, um, yeah, he's going to have a super year and he's going to be highly sought after. There was a fair bit of heat between Port and the Eagles when Port wanted to get those next generation academy players such as Lockie Jones yes. out of the Eagles and put him in the Magpie so he was developing to the Port Adelaide way. you comfortable with that happening and this again comes this great debate about where the Sandful and the two yep. AFL clubs sit what yep. is in the best interest like the Eagles made a pretty strong case as to why they wanted to keep young players in their system Port had their reasons as to why they wanted Lockie Jones at Alberton as soon as possible does it work I mean what what I'm getting to here is where we're talking about a national reserves yeah. competition we're also hearing Port wants to go national under-18s. Yep. So then they will have this academy that will get these players in even sooner, which hurts the Sandful. Without a doubt. As yep. Well. yep. Are you comfortable with it? I think there has to be some clear parameters in place because currently as it stands, I am comfortable with it. But your point is spot on in terms of if Port Adelaide and Adelaide bring in an under-18 team or an academy of such how young do you grab these players? Is it mm. 15? Is mm. it younger? Is it 16? And then how many? Because if you bring in, say, 15 players from the under-15 competition in the sample, that instantly hurts the sample competition. But then what happens when they get to under-18 and five of them are guns and five of them have just petered out completely? 
then where does that leave them? Are they back at their sample club? Are they at a local footy club? Uh, and where is the development at? So the sample state academies there, which Tyler Welsh is actually in with a, a number of other guys in the under 18s next or currently over this summer period. But yeah, I think that there has to be some clear parameters because I think that otherwise you're going to see sample clubs particularly at those underage competitions, lose players. The competition is not going to be as strong. And then that's going to impact the sample in the long run as well. Yeah, which is a great concern when we keep saying, well, what do the AFL clubs need? But what does Australian football in total need? That's the bigger question. And then the other Andrew Dillon. Yeah, exactly right. The other one for mine on top of that is the top-up players. So then when you've got the National Reserves team, the top-up players, where are they coming from? How are they remunerated as well? Would I rather be a top-up player for the Crows? Of course you would. Or would I rather play sample footy for Woodville West Torrens or Central Districts for, for well, say? I'm concerned with the Jackson Hapley one. Yep. I would have thought that city gets cut by Adelaide. Yes. That's Central District knocking on your door. But he goes to Essendon VFL. Yep. Clearly with someone, you would you can only assume that someone at Essendon said, you get into our system, we're going to look at you supplementary or mid-season. Without a doubt. The pathway is what they've sold to him, and yeah. that is why he's there, and he's not at Central Districts next mm-hmm. year. And it's a loss for Centrals, and it's a loss for the Sandful. So they've got to be careful that that doesn't happen moving forward. It's, it's definitely going to be one to watch. Uh, we're live from Studio Lumo SA. Uh, we'll be back after the break to give you another update on both of those cricket games going on at the moment. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Rich and Daniel Menzel in the chair for Kimbo today. And Rich will give a quick cricket score update. The Redbacks, uh, since we chat with Barbie, it's not been great. Four for 75, McSweeney is out. Uh, And so not pretty there. I mean, we talked about making 300, but not great for the Redbacks. Four for 75 after 38 overs. A little bit better for the Adelaide Strikers in the WBBL. We have the Thunder. They made 118 in their 20 overs. So we should, at Karen Rottenoval, you'd expect, we'd be able to chase that down. And mm. that's brought to us by IGA Supermarkets, how the locals like it. But, Rich, it's time for the AFLW. Let's get on to this weekend. The Crows take on Sydney in an important game after losing the qualifying final. It's a semi-final. If they, if they lose, they're out in straight sets. That's it, against a team that was winless last year, wins the first final that the great story. play in. Uh, heaps of energy. But if you were to look at track record and yeah, just the quality of both sides, you'd still be backing in Adelaide, wouldn't you? Without mean, it, it's not as if they were a disaster against Brisbane. They made some mistakes. Yep. Had Brisbane their sides are very, very good side. Had their chances late to to win that game. But you're right, the quality of the Crows is why they should be able to bounce mm. back. And that quality has been on display. We might have a listen to Caitlin Gould here on all of their All-Australian selections. Yeah, definitely a proud moment. Um, I think, yeah, having six selections in the team is just an awesome effort by the girls. Um, I think, yeah, that's just a credit to the girls that have just put in such hard work, not only in the season, but pre-season as well. So, yeah, definitely a proud moment. So six nominated for the 42-person squad. Um, you'd think at least three are going to walk in. Yeah, you would. To all Australian selection. Yeah. Um, which will come in two weeks, isn't it, when that side Two weeks' will time. That's all the big news in the AFLW where there has been quite a turnover of coaches just recently. Nathan Burke, who 
was at the Western Bulldogs. They was in the past tense because today he was, to put in his own words, sacked after just one win, which was an amazing downfall for the Western Bulldogs. It really was, wasn't years, it? Was it two, three years ago? Yeah. They have been um, dominant. But Nathan hasn't lost his sense of humour. He's posted out on social media that, yep, sacked in the morning, Tats Lotto winner in the afternoon. Wasn't a huge win, but still <laughs> not a bad thing to wait to end the day with enough to buy a couple of beers to drown your sorrows and losing your coaching job. No, that's uh, I'm not sure I would be so uh, happy or forthright in that position, but good on Nathan. Berg. What I mean, are you going to do? Exactly right. It's, it's not as if you can go to an appeals board and say, well, I shouldn't have been sacked. <laughs> no, exactly right. Now, that game, Adelaide take on Sydney. It's at Norwood Oval, Saturday night, 7.15. Yep, so big game. Massive game. Should bounce back. We've got a text in, Rooch. So we've got a text from Big Duff. G'day, legends. Big Duff here again. My gripe is this. What will happen to the best Aussie rules state when we are reduced to eight teams? Let's face it. If you brought all the SA boys back home, we'd still be the best football in state. You Vicks aren't that good. I'm more concerned about our sample. Yeah, I'm going to be most intrigued as to how this all plays out in the next 18 months. It's very clear that Port Adelaide has the intent to leave the sample and join Another competition, whatever it's badged as. Yep. Crows will certainly be there because once they see everyone else there, they've got to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. But Andrew Dillon and his executive at AFL House cannot make a decision that's just based on 18 AFL clubs or 19. Without doubt. They've got to look at the entire... Their, their responsibility as an AFL commission is to the game entirely, not just to a league. Uh, this is a, that's a massive jigsaw puzzle because it's got so many different needs and circumstances state by state. Without a doubt, the, the pathways to the AFL, they can't lose sight of that. No. And and the sample, big dust right, in terms of the concerns about the sample, with the National Reserves comp, that is going to impact them. We've talked about the top-up players. Why would you play sample footy when you can go and play for a team that is telling you, hey, we might draft you in a year mm. or two's time. So Get in their system as soon as possible. Exactly right. So there's some concerns there. They've got to make sure they look out for the sample, the, the other competitions, the waffle as well. So... That's interesting. And speaking of the sample, next up after the break, we're going to chat with the Glenelg young gun, Bodie Ryan. We're going to chat to him about his potential draft chances and where he might end up, how his season's gone this year, and uh, hopefully get another couple of boys drafted from South Australia. It's Kimbo on the Rooch. Thanks to Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona, imagined to be bold. We'll be back after the break with Bodie Ryan. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Available in Coles and independent supermarkets across SA. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Discover more at your local Hyundai showroom. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Daniel Menzel in the chair for Kimbo and Roots here. And we're brought to you by IGA Supermarkets. How the locals like it. We've got Bodie Ryan about a minute away. But before we get to Bodie, we're just going to go over... Our prize that we have for today, we've got a $100 Archie's voucher to give away. So give us a call on 1300 736 736 or flick us a text on 0427 154 166 on the best story around your round one experience that you've had or come across. Uh, that's Archie's song, So Comfy You'll Never Take Them Off. But, Roach, it's time to get to the young Glenelg star that oh, is you, hoping to you'd be... you know a bit about this in terms of sibling or family rivalry. Yes, there's plenty there, and uh, there will be with Bodie. Bodie yeah. Ryan, welcome to The Run Home. 
G'day, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Buddy. School finished? <laughs> Is school finished? Yeah, no. Nah, oh, yeah, no. Nah, school's all done. So now um, you can just yeah, pretty stoked about that. Good. So good. yeah, no, nah, good. Bodie, how's this year been? Uh, having been through it, you know that your under eighteen year, your draft year, it's very much mm. a whirlwind. There's so much that happens. How have you found this whole year, the twenty twenty three season? Yeah, no, it's been pretty full on. Um, there's no time for a break or a day off. It's sort of, you know, always footy, footy, footy in uh, this sort of household. But um, no, nah, I thought it's been a pretty consistent year for myself, and um, no, nah, I really enjoyed the the state team and um, yeah, meeting new people. It's been great. Now, Jacob, sorry, bro, I've got to ask. <laughs> we saw Jacob make his start, and when he was announced by. Craig McRae it was all about you're not going to miss him because of his hairstyle. What's your hairstyle? <laughs> it's actually pretty much the exact same, and people oh. think I'm actually <laughs> copying. People think I'm copying him, but I I got my mullet cut before him when back in the night. Oh, you're in so first. I think, <laughs> yes. Oh wow! Uh, it's, um, uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> now, Bodie, tell us. Uh, we'll get back into the hairstyle, but tell us about the way you play. So, yeah. 188 centimeters. Medium defender, so is intercept marking defender. Is that your is that your game? Is that your strengths that you you're going to back yourself in, and you think an AFL team should back you in? Yeah, no, nah, definitely the intercept part of my game's um, yeah one of my my strengths. But off the back end of the year, there's been a lot of um, opportunities for me to play more of that one on one defending role. So I hate losing one on one. So um, yeah, my spoiling um, intercept marking and then. Yeah, a bit of decision-making as well, sort of my, my type of game. So what's the process been like so far? We're asking everyone, how many AFL clubs have come knocking on the door? So how many interviews have you gone through and how many clubs? Um, I've had about 15, 15 clubs. So um, I think about 11 have been at home. Um, had a couple at the Combine and a few over over the phone call as well. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty full on, but, yeah, super grateful for that. So on those 15 clubs, Bodie, have you had any challenging or curveball questions from any of the clubs that has absolutely stumped you? There's a few that throw a couple in there. How has the interviews gone? Oh, actually, the the one at the Combine, I had, um, it was about my last interview. Um, it was with uh, Collingwood, actually. And, um, yeah, it was going all well. And then they sort of just stopped talking and I had to interview them for, Oh. About five minutes Ooh. and try and hold the conversation. That was that was pretty hard. So, um, not really a question as such, but yeah, just a moment that sort of stunned me a bit. It was weird. They, they do throw in the weird ones. I mean, I had a couple of weird ones, but the, probably one of the weirdest ones, Rich, that I've heard is uh, one player got told or had to call a horse race and call the horse race on the TV. I'm not sure what that's got to do with footy and why that has anything to do with being recruited, but there's there's one for you. So at least you didn't have to do that, Bodie. But, so, um, so Bodie, oh, was, yeah. was there one club you wanted to impress more than the other? We've all got a favourite. I mean, every draftee will say they just want to play in the AFL system, but we all grow up supporting a club. Who did you want to impress the most? Um, I'd, probably, I'd probably say Collingwood just because... Jacob's at that club yeah. as well, my cousin. So yeah. um, it'd be awesome to one day get there and play alongside him. Um, so I tried to try my best in that interview and probably Hawthorne as well, just because of, um, you know, I know that Will McCabe's obviously father's son there and he's one of my best mates at school. So it'd be uh, good to, 
you know, keep training and playing with him as well. It certainly would. So speaking of school, how was the balance this year between playing for the Bays, playing state footy, but also your school Sacred Heart? You, you have the footy program there. So a lot of moving parts. How did you find that this year with having to play for a variety of teams? It was actually, um, wasn't too bad. The, the, the school was really good um, with us. Like most of us boys who played in the, the state program, they were really um, encouraging and um, sort of knew what to expect because there's been previous years as well. But um, when getting back and playing at school footy, it was sort of really re- relaxing, um, sort of played a different role like through the midfield and up forward. And um, yeah, it was actually, it was good fun to be honest. And so just on that, you also played some reserves footy late in the year for Glenelg. The experience with playing against, I guess, older older men, bigger beasts. How was that? Yeah, it was actually um, it was, it was good. I, I loved the challenge up against some, some bigger boys. And, um, yeah, it was definitely – oh, it was bloody hot on the grand final day, that's mm. for sure. But, um, yeah, it was um, – no, it was really good. It was good fun. So speaking of the challenge, uh, I believe or I'm led to believe that you were tasked with locking down Harley Reid in a game this year. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there was... Um, yeah, so game against, uh, yeah, Vic Cut- Country over um, in Melbourne. It was... Yeah, so one of my mates, uh, teammates, went to him early and ended up kicking three pretty cheap goals, to be honest. So then they sort of had a positional move and... Um, threw me on him and yeah it was ended up having a good game on him it was I was pretty lucky to be honest <laughs> so Bodie as this one-on-one defender who hates to lose do you like to get physical or mental with your opponent what do you like on the loop um, and what do you like in terms of the physical <laughs> clashes yeah, that you can get in uh, free still I'm definitely yeah definitely not good on the lip that's um <laughs> not my <laughs> not my specialty but um yeah it's sort of just physical and um not I sort of I try and read how they're like if they're um, you know getting red and getting the footy after mm. I'm being physical. I just let them be and try and beat them. Um, yeah, one on one. Don't even talk to them or acknowledge them. Just <laughs> just play footy, really. Um, mm. Yeah, there's not too many tactics that go on it for me. I just yeah, just give it a crack, really. So exams finished, free weekend, and then how are you going to approach? Yeah. I mean, is it be at home for the draft, or surrounded by family? How's this going to play out? Yeah, no, keep it pretty low-key. Um, yeah, just have my family, grandparents around. And then, you know, if it does end up if it does end up working out, I might get a few mates over to just, um, yeah, say congratulations or whatever. And, mm. yeah, no, really low-key for me. It, it is a special day and a special night. Uh, the family, are they they're just hoping you get picked up or is there a couple that are going, hey, it'd be nice if Adelaide or Port Adelaide are listening and they, uh, <laughs> they read your name out on draft night? Yeah, no, there's definitely mum's definitely saying um either Melbourne or, or Adelaide teams. Um but for me I'm I'm happy to bloody go anywhere. I'm I'm keen to get out of home and you know, starting sort of new life would be awesome. So um but they're really excited for me as well, so it's good. So Glenelg has played a big part. Always been in the Glenelg district, always with Glenelg. Where's your junior football been? Yeah, no, nah, always been with Glenelg. Um, uh, started my junior football at um, Bryant Bombers, just locally. So played up there till under 14s and won about four flags. So well done. Um, yeah. it was a really dominant team back in the day. So not much losing was going on in the earlier days. But um, yeah, just yeah, shuffling that with school footing, um, the junior programs at Glenelg as well. So it's been good.
Now, Bodie, you mentioned your cousin Jacob at the Magpies. Is he giving you any advice in terms of what, what might happen over the next week or so and, and into the future, hopefully, if you do get that opportunity at AFL level? Yeah, so big one recently that he's sort of given me is, um, you know, prepare now. Like, I've been trying to train with him for the last month, um, sort of following his programs and um, like sort of living a day in the life of, you know, an athlete. So he's sort of just... Um, saying be prepared because, you know, you've only got that pre-season and mm. that season to sort of show what you can actually show you what you can do. So he's just saying be prepared, be professional in what you do, and um, but still enjoy it as well. So he's been really good. So just on that preparation, Bodie, how much of that is outdoors, is straight line running, is footy work, or is potentially a fair bit of it in the gym at the moment trying to put on some size? It's a bit of a combination of both. Um, it's about, there'd be oh, three to four running sessions and three gym sessions. So um, we're not trying to trash ourselves. We're just trying to you know, maintain our fitness that we sort of had from the season. Um, but yeah, for me especially, I'm just trying to yeah, eat as much as I can and <laughs> put on a bit more weight because um, yeah, that, that's probably the most challenging part for me. So yeah. It's a good term you used about being professional. People usually talk professional as about salaries, but it's professional about attitude and the way you go about things. So what sacrifices are you making considering you're a teenager who's leaving the final years of school, your mates are all enjoying their freedom at the moment, and you've got to keep yourself focused for an AFL draft. So what's that do in terms of sacrifices you're having to make at the moment? Yeah, so obviously there's everyone's turning 18 in this, yeah. these type of years. Um so it's sacrificing, you know, you might not be able to go out to, you know, hang out with your mates till, you know, the, the morning, basically. It's to sort of get home at a reasonable time and um, just really just look after yourself and know when the right times to go home or, um, but yeah, it's just seriously just looking after your body and know what you're putting in it and um, yeah, just the little things, uh, the one percenters, I guess. And Bodie, has it always been defence for you? I know a lot of the guys that come through the state underage program, the under-18 team, uh, the, the challenge for Tony Bamford and Brendan Phillips in the past has been 15 of the best 22 are actually midfielders at their Sanford club. So has it always just been a, a defender for you and it's come naturally to you or have you played a, a variety of positions? Yeah, in my junior days, I was a lot mid-forward. I'd like to go full forward for my break and, um, yeah, take a good, overhead mark and kick a few goals but um yeah with with my most of my Glenelg um upbringing I guess I've played as a defender so um I'd like to say I'm sort of versatile like at school footy this year I played mid forward again and um yeah it was just it was a good balance like I was learning a bit of all roles and um but yeah the defending is my favorite position on the field for sure yeah, it's that versatility is great. It's great to know that and play a variety of roles and clubs will certainly love that. Bodie, thanks for chatting with us yes. on the run home and we wish you all the best in the draft next week and hopefully we'll see you on our AFL list next season. Nah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bodie. Bodie Ryan there from the base, uh, so good heart. Uh, it's always a whirlwind year, your 17, 18-year-old year, Roach, because particularly when you're at a college as well, you got to play college football, you got to play State football, if you make it, you've got to play for your sample club. Uh, and then you've even got a local club that's interested. There is just so much going on. And you mentioned it. You throw in exams. You throw in everything else that comes with year 12. 
So it's a whirlwind, isn't it, now for them? It really the is. next few days are whereby, imagine every time they're going to put their head on their pillow, they're going, well... Where am I going to be in a week's time? Yeah. It's, uh, it good really, luck to them. No, nah, good luck. All the best to mm. Bodie Ryan. That was brought to us by Brasilia Coffee. Stay grounded. Make the perfect cup of coffee with Brasilia Coffee. Now, I'm not picking at any old sores here, but Ooh. you've changed clubs a few times. I have. You? I have. Would you turn up for the first day of training <laughs> at your new club just to make the right impression? Oh, I love where you're going with this. Uh, I personally would because... When you go to a new club, it's the grass is green on the other side. So you are the new toy. Uh, everyone there thinks, wow, what a player we potentially have got. So why would you potentially jeopardise that? So where are you going with this? Well, our good friend Kane Corns has noted that Jack Ginnivan yes. is not at the first day of pre-season training at his new club. Okay, so was he required at the first day? Well, he's not required because he has a later finish with Collingwood. Yes. So by the famous players union agreement with the CBA, (laughs) you have a mandated period off. But we've noted a lot of other players who were not required at their new clubs for the start date of pre-season training have turned up, make the great first impression. Now, I don't know if Jack's overseas. (laughs) He is not overseas. So we're now putting him to a stake when you go, well, hang on, I'm in New York. How am I going to get out to Glen Ferry or wherever? Yep. For pre-season training, it's not as if you just get on the bus and there the next morning. So if he's in Melbourne, you'd surely think, yeah, okay, I don't have to train for the next four weeks, but I'm going to be there for the first day to introduce myself, find out who my mates are, new mates. Or was he at the races? Oh, no, that didn't (laughs) Well, there is is other players that the Hawks have brought in this season that are there. Um, now they did finish a lot earlier than Jack did. He finished four weeks effectively after the teams that didn't make the finals. But even if you're not going to be there for training, at least be there to introduce yourself first day. I, I think yeah. I think it's a great point. I think the other point I'd make with this is, and if you're not going to be there, either through your management or through the footy club, let that known before it actually gets out that it someone goes. A new story, yeah, yeah, why is Jack Ginnivan not here today? You just don't need that. You, Jack's been through obviously a little bit in the media just in his bit. career, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's something that they probably could have handled a little bit better. He's not there on day one. He will get an extra two weeks. That's what happens um, when a, when you go to a team that's finished earlier than you have. They they chuck that extra two weeks on top. So he'll be there in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. He probably could have rocked up on day one and just uh, made everyone feel really happy about their decision of getting him over to Hawthorne. Well, the season will begin in the northern states in early March next year where we have four games to start. First time since 1992 that the <laughs> AFL has decided to have only eight teams play in what will now be known as Round Zero. Round Zero. We know that Port Adelaide will host West Coast at Adelaide Oval on a Saturday in Round One. We're anticipating that when the fixture is released tomorrow, that it will be Gold Coast hosting Adelaide, which will, like you pointed out, back-to-back home games for Gold for Coast. Gold Coast. Nice so Damien Hardwick in his new job, back-to-back games against Richmond and Adelaide. Again, both going to be reasonably tough opponents, but it's a nice way for him to start and They'll be looking to get off to a winning start. So it's great for Gold Coast. It's, they've looked after the Eastern States, haven't they, with those teams, the games up in in Brisbane, in the Gold Coast, in Sydney and Greater Western Sydney. We, we mentioned that the Rugby League, they're over in Las Vegas. So yes. why not? Well, you can capitalise on that, and the AFL has certainly done that. Yeah. So our competition today was all based on your best opening round memory or story. 
Have we got a winner? We do have a winner, and the winner is Stu for his story about going to see the Adelaide Crows. When no one was supposed to be there. It was <laughs> yes. the lockout game through COVID. Oh, gee, I hope they have fixed the hole in the gate. Yeah. <laughs> Stu. Stu might be getting back in for a few more games, if not. Well, but he'll be good on his feet now, won't he? He will be great on his feet, and he certainly will because he's got some Archie thongs, which is so comfy you'll never take them off. So well done to Stewie's one hour $100 Archie's voucher for today. Uh, on the show tomorrow, Roach, with you, you've got Tim Silvers to discuss the AFL fixture. So you can mm, go into that a little bit his more. reaction to what Adelaide gets or doesn't get. I'm, I'm, I'm still bemused by the thought that they needed to be rewarded for what happened with a goal umpiring error <laughs> at Adelaide. Oh, well, they needed to be rewarded for the way in which they actually went about their business through last year. They were one of the teams to watch, even though they didn't make the eight. Well, we know why they didn't. Well, the number one offensive team in the competition yeah. last year. So that was a major shift of what we saw at the beginning with Matthew Nix to where they are at the moment. So be intrigued as to his views of the fixture. Generally, you find that every club loves their fixture. At the start <laughs> you can hardly bag it and go, well, hang on, we've got to sell this in season yep. tickets. But yep. It'll be intriguing what Adelaide does get out because they're now at the point whereby they do need to be acknowledged for what they're offering the competition in the TV space and in the home ground space that they should be getting a fixture with some big, big ticket items in it. Without There's a always doubt. the dilemma here. Do you want a commercially viable fixture or do you want one that helps you football-wise? And they're different. They are, they are very different. Very much so. Uh, and again, it, look, if you're West Coast potentially who's got a lot of money, a lot of sponsorship, you maybe don't need that. No, um, you want a football-friendly draw. Yes, you do. That's exactly what the Eagles they want. They a lot of friends football-wise, the West Coast. <laughs> but uh, the Crows, maybe a little bit of column A and column B there on that one. The other one, we're going to have a player from the 36s. That will be confirmed uh, t- uh, shortly. I mean, tonight on Sports Day SA. Oh, that's a show that you'll be doing. Yes, Paul Bonser will host and myself tonight. We've actually got 36s assistant coach, Scott Ninnison. So he's going to give us some, some insight. They had another loss on the weekend. So... They really are backs up against the wall. They need to win this weekend or it could be curtains pretty early in the season for the 36ers, Mm. which is alarming sign. So that will be on at 6 o'clock tonight on Sports Day SA. But uh, we are live here from Studio Lumo SA. Well, Rich, I've really enjoyed today. We've uh, only got a minute and a half to go on the show. But uh, Kimball lay out. So I thought I'd come join you this afternoon, and it's been fun. And just repeating that both Adelaide and Port Adelaide have now locked in their coaching staff. We know where Tyson Goldsack goes out of the Sandville program at Port Adelaide to be on assistant coach for Ken Inkley, and virtually the same theme at Adelaide now with Jack Homps coming out of their development program to be the defence coach at so Adelaide for Matthew Nix. if there is a standalone competition, does that mean a couple more jobs, assistant coaching jobs at AFL level? Absolutely. Yeah, now so, we've got the soft cap rising. Yes. So, yeah, the assistant coaches will be better off after taking some pretty heavy hits through the COVID period. Without a doubt, which we've needed to see that bounce back yep. because you're right, there's a lot of people that have just been out of a job and, and are now uncertain whether they go back into a sample job. Is it worth it with the security? Um, so we will, you would think, see a number of roles come into clubs for those standalone teams mm. in the future. Which will be which will be great for the industry. I think, I think there'll be a few people intrigued as to why Nathan Bassett didn't get a call from Adelaide. Mm, that is an interesting one. He, mm. He's done a terrific job for the Power for a long time in the Sample before that with Norwood. Yep, Premiership coach. Yeah, so watch this space on that one and uh, everything that happens moving forward. Uh, enjoy your afternoon, everyone. It's a beautiful day outside here in Adelaide. We have India taking on New Zealand tonight, Roach. Weather permitting. Weather permitting. India too good? 
if they play? Well, they should be, but you know what happens with the pressure of teams that choke in these environments. <laughs> that may happen again to India. It could. 7 o'clock tonight, tune into that one. Uh, bye for now. And thanks for here being here, Dan. Good night, everyone. Thanks, Rich.